0: This is 8 Minutes, a podcast helping you understand the energy and climate challenge in just a few minutes. I'm your host, Paul Schuster. Anywhere you look in the energy transition involves scaling up batteries. Whether they're found in electric vehicles or at the home or even alongside giant solar fields, electrical storage is a hot topic and worth well more than 8 minutes of discussion. Storage is super important. But it's not just batteries that are trying to tackle this problem. Uh, Sure, the ubiquitous lithium ion battery that we find in our iPhones or laptops, that's the default standard for what's also found in our Teslas and utility assets. But lots of innovation is happening to figure out whether there are cheaper, more efficient ways that we can think about energy storage. Today, we'll try to uncover some of the different use cases and technologies that are emerging beyond just the battery. Eight minutes, it's how long it takes the sun's rays to hit Earth, more about how long our friends in Arizona today may have of temperatures under 100 degrees. These massive heat domes are more common and last longer than ever before. And this isn't a podcast on trying to convince you of climate change. It's one on what we can do about it. Let's get it on. About a week ago, Excel Energy, the Minnesota utility, announced plans to partner with Form Energy to install a battery complex in Minnesota. When coupled with a big new solar array, the new project will enable Excel to accelerate the retirement of their Becker coal facility, replacing dirty fossil power with clean solar generation. That energy storage complex, though, isn't your typical battery setup. Instead of using typical lithium-ion batteries, the form complex instead uses just iron and air. Yeah, it's a rust battery. In the process of turning into rust, the process actually creates energy which is captured and turned into power. And then, and this is so cool, when the rust is hit with an electrical charge, it turns back into iron and oxygen to await the chance to rust again. It's a giant canister of iron bits that keep rusting and unrusting, but creating power by doing so. What's more, whereas a typical lithium-ion battery may hold a two-hour charge, these iron batteries can last for upwards of 100 hours, four days of uninterrupted supply. Lithium-ion batteries have long dominated the discussion around energy storage, and for good reason. These systems are energy-dense and can recharge hundreds of times before needing to be replaced. Remember the old days with our laptops where the battery needed to be fully drained before you could recharge? That's called a memory effect, and it was really prominent in those old nickel-cadmium batteries. Today's lithium-ion batteries are so much more efficient, which is why they're found in phones, laptops, and just about anything else that we regularly charge or discharge. And for the energy transition, lithium-ion has a lot of great uses too. Because they're so energy-dense, they can be relatively lightweight, which is great for applications such as EVs or airplanes, but for utility-scale storage, maybe not as convenient as the battery needs to be recharged fairly often. That's where a host of other solutions are making their way to market to address some of these other storage needs without having to rely solely upon lithium as a resource. For the most part, energy storage can be thought of within five main categories. The first category that I'll touch on is pumped hydro, a storage resource that's been around for decades. Essentially, electricity is used to pump water from a lower reservoir to an upper reservoir during times when power demand is really low. And then when the need for that power starts to go up, the facility simply releases that water back down to the lower reservoir, spinning a turbine on its way and creating power. Simple, elegant if a bit land intensive in and limited to areas in times of good water supply. A different take on that same general technology is gravity storage, which falls under the category of mechanical storage. Energy Vault, a Swiss and US company, has a system where they raise and lower composite blocks, harnessing the physics of gravity and potential energy to create a storage system. Similar to pumped hydro, where electricity is used to pump water to a higher reservoir the energy vault system uses excess power to raise blocks in its facility. Then, when power demands are high, the system releases those blocks and gravity helps to create the energy that's needed to create new power. Again, probably not a great solution for electric vehicles, but these gravity-assisted units can provide a long-term solution that can help to stabilize the grid in times of need. Other types of storage systems also include thermal storage, where the heating and cooling of elements can be used to store energy. And these solutions run the gamut. For instance, Polar Night Energy from Finland uses power from solar and wind to heat sand, and then discharges that heat for thermal activity such as heating buildings. Or the company Antora uses carbon blocks, and the company Malta uses molten salt in place of sand. And thermal storage doesn't have to be just about heating an element either. Thule's ice-bear product cools ice during off-peak hours, and then turns off the machines and allows the melting ice to provide cooling during expensive peak energy times of the day. The fourth category of energy storage is an emerging one with the promise of hydrogen. Essentially, hydrogen is created through an electrolysis process, where solar power is used to power an electrolyzer that breaks water down into hydrogen and oxygen molecules. The hydrogen is then stored, and when the sun sets and the solar facility isn't producing power anymore, the hydrogen can be burned to spin a turbine and create clean energy, rather than relying upon natural gas as the fuel source. Lots of promise to that application, but prices for electrolysis are so high right now, Uh, hydrogen as a scalable solution just isn't there yet. The Biden administration, though, is betting big on its application, investing billions of dollars through both the bipartisan infrastructure law, as well as the Inflation Reduction Act, in developing a domestic hydrogen industry. Okay, and then the fifth category of storage, to go along with pumped hydro, mechanical storage, thermal storage, and hydrogen, is of course, batteries. But even here, the chemical reactions that occur in batteries can be widely different and diverse. Sure, we're familiar with lithium-ion, but other battery systems may use other technologies, such as nickel-cadmium, sodium-sulfur, or zinc-air, to create the chemical reactions needed. See, the basic chemistry of a battery is pretty similar regardless of the materials. A lithium-ion battery, for instance, has an anode and a cathode that are separated by a thin wall and immersed in a fluid called an electrolyte. When the battery is being discharged, ions are released from the anode and flow through the electrolyte fluid to the cathode. And as they pass that membrane in between, they generate power. And then when we charge the battery, what we're essentially doing is sending those ions back to the anode so that they can be stored up and released later when we need them. But whether they're lithium ions or sulfur ions or other types of ions, the choice of metallurgy depends more upon the business application. Expense, size, time to recharge, the number of recharges that it can occur. All of those affect which type of battery is best for what type of application. Which brings us back to Form and their iron air battery. These are big heavy units, so the technology is probably never going to find its way into an electric vehicle. That's where the lightweight, energy-dense lithium-ion batteries are still going to hold an advantage. But where the iron air battery excels is in long discharges, enabling power grids to rely upon battery power for days at a time, and not just hours, which may end up being a far better solution than trying to aggregate a whole bunch of lithium-ion systems together for another incremental two hours of reserve. All of which is to say that the energy storage is an evolving, important piece of the energy transition equation, and one that won't necessarily just be answered by more batteries. I'm Paul Schuster, and this has been your 8 Minutes.